everybody. This is Lindsay with Tea Time with Linz. Thank you for tuning in. Again, per the passenger, I'm always going to say thank you because I'm very grateful for the intro music. That is an intro of Sweet Talk from Poe the Passenger. You can follow them at Poe the Passenger on Instagram and Twitter. Today's guest, I have actress Kat LeCoey with us. Very excited about this. Uh, the theme of today's show is all about moving to LA and what to expect and just that journey in general. And Kat's story is absolutely fascinating. Kat is also known as the Vixen DeVille, burlesque performer, fire eater, aerial extraordinaire. Uh, you can follow Kat on Instagram at Kat LeCoey and at Vixen DeVille on Twitter at Kat LeCoey and on Twitter at Vixen DeVille underscore. So for anyone who's thinking about moving to LA from London or wherever, uh, this is a fantastic episode. Kat's journey is fabulous and glorious and all that jazz. And also we will be talking about Kat's one woman solo show that I have watched and is absolutely incredible and very inspiring. So thanks Kat, you inspire me all the freaking time. All right, enjoy everybody. And so welcome Kat Lakoi for coming onto the show. <laughs> so why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself and how and when you decided to get into the performative world? Wow. Um, so yeah, I um, I wanted to be an actor from like the age of about eight. <laughs> like it's just been the thing. And just people... really quickly, <laughs> I, I'm going to say 90% of everybody who's been on the show has said the exact same thing. It's so it's, crazy. It is crazy. I think the only other thing I remember wanting to be was an air hostess or whatever <laughs> you call it now that's politically correct. Um, I remember because like, I'd go into play, I think it was like, like six or seven, and I just kind of wanted to like stride down the corridor and serve people things and interact with people. So maybe that's a style of performance. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I remember writing at school, like, I want to be an air hostess. Um, and then it was like, oh, I want to be an actor. Um, and I, I don't know where that came from. I just loved, I loved dressing up. I loved costume. I loved exploring other characters. And my mom was a, uh, she taught home economics. So she taught cooking and sewing and dressmaking. So at my house, I had this room that was full of fabric and half created costumes. And I would say, I want to, you know, I was obsessed with Little Mermaid and I say, I want to have a mermaid's tail. So she'd make me a mermaid's tail. And so I had that opportunity to sort of dress up and play a lot when I was a kid. And I think I was also not happy with who I was. So I really wanted that excuse to sort of give myself the permission to be other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, skip to today where I also do burlesque and other style performance and I'm a very uh, strong advocate for unleashing the inner version of you the true version of you because we we put on all these masks and we we behave a certain way for society depending on who we're with and what situation we're with and I'm I'm like I went through that journey of as a kid thinking that acting was oh now I can be someone else now I can dress up like someone else and be someone else and I can escape who I am and then you discover when you start acting training, oh no, you're being the most vulnerable you. <laughs> the most you know, authentic you you can be. <laughs> you're bringing you to the role. You're not being someone else. You're absolutely uncovering and, and unleashing and revealing who you are. Um, and that's what becomes super scary about acting is, is that you have to like really 
show your version of it you know mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and that is terrifying as well I didn't like, answer the question of how I got into it but yeah I, w- I wanted to be an actor at 10, at 10 and uh I remember putting little plays together at school during break time and stuff like that and and I just I was just like I, I was just like uh hit up on like how do I how do I get up there's this thing called an agent how do I get an agent like I wrote to an agency and I was like 12 going what do I do like I don't know what I'm doing um but the I guess the short version is I went into sort of um you know after school groups and youth theaters and that kind of thing and I actually did get an agent I was in Newcastle so like out of like London where it was the main thing there's like two agents in Newcastle Mm-hmm. One rep for the people for Biker Grove. If anyone's in England and knows what Biker Grove is, I love Biker Grove. <laughs> <laughs> so there was one big old agent who repped my, uh, Biker Grove, and then there was the other agent who repped everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, because I was like, you know, fourteen and had done all these plays and had done it forever, he was like, "Who's this girl who's obsessed with this acting thing? Let's hire her." And I, I did a voiceover for City of Sunderland College when I was sixteen, and that was my first like paid gig. Wow. And I was like, oh, "I'm a proper person," um, <laughs> you know. And then I went to London to study acting, and then got into burlesque, and that's kind of—I mean, I, I just got into it because I, I was, I was obsessed as a kid that this is what I'm going to do. Like that, there is no other. There is no other option. This is what I'm doing. So when you started playing around with burlesque and all of that stuff, because that definitely entwined with your journey in the in the whole performing world, obviously. Mm-hmm. I remember because I obviously I've watched your woman show. Yeah. That, that started what was you were you in university when you started that? So, um, I didn't know that's what I was doing. the the so, The story sort of starts at university, and I took a course called solo performance uh-huh. and it was about how do you bring who you naturally are to stage and use those qualities and how do you engage an audience just you on stage and nobody else and that's and it was you know for musicians for mime artists for for singers mm-hmm. for doing stand-up comedy it was taught by the guy who did sound comedy but it was very loose and very open and the act that I created at the end was a very interactive piece and I was just like I don't know where this fits in the real world like it's not stand-up comedy it's not a monologue I don't know how I'd ever make money out of doing this particular act mm-hmm. and the, my teacher was like you'll find your forum you'll find your forum I just remember him saying that and and then I left university not knowing what it was that I did um and so then I saw a breakdown um in PCR oh. um <laughs> <laughs> I'm like remembering all these things. I saw a breakdown PCR for something called the Blue Review. And I didn't know what burlesque was. I had seen Rocky Horror and knew about corsets and suspenders and that kind of stuff. And other than that, I didn't really know the burlesque world. I'd seen like, I don't know, Carry On Cowboy where they have like the saloon girl. Like they're, they're, I yeah. just didn't know. But I knew I liked these sort of overtly sort of sexual self-celebrational I look so beautiful covered in feathers and rhinestones style mm-hmm. world um so I saw this breakdown but it said singing dancing and stripping and I'm just like I can't I'm not a great dancer I'm really not a good singer and I'm, I don't like what my body looks like I don't want to take my clothes off in public oh well but I super want to do this thing so then I was in a play a de latte play with another uh, woman and we were like oh what are you doing when the play is finished and she said I'm doing this new burlesque show and it was the show I'd seen and so I went to see the show and it was just oh my god I, I, I think I could do this like I 
it wasn't overtly sexual, like mm-hmm. in your film stripping. And it was just women of all different styles and shapes. It wasn't like crazy, crazy difficult choreography. It wasn't, it just, it seemed doable, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, I've prevented myself from doing this thing. And I kind of want to look at it and, and do the thing. So I, I would say I got very drunk during the show and went up to the producer and was like, I need to be in your show. Let me in your show. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I just want to just do the thing. And she went, okay, come into an audition. And I was terrified because I thought, I, and I said to her, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do a solo dance or song. Um, and I said, I did this thing at university and I don't know what it was, but it was a performance thing and I got an A grade and it must be good. And she was like, do that because we've got singers, we've got dancers. What we need is that vaudeville connection with the audience, um, almost kind of like a host style person. Just come and do your thing because we've got dancers and singers coming out of our ears, you know? Yeah. So I went to this audition and did this piece that I'd done at university, which is kind of why I say it started at university, but I kind of added a few innuendos and dressed a bit more sort of corsety. And I I got into the, into the um, production and that kind of lesson filters through into my fire performance. I say this in my solo show about following your strengths and not looking at what everyone else is doing and thinking, Oh, that's the answer. Oh, if if I get my singing and dancing skills up, now I can audition for the for the company. Yeah. When you find out that that role is filled. They've got singers, they've got dancers, they wanted variety, they wanted something different. And when I got into the show, I I had never done any circus, fire, performance, aerial, anything like that. Um, but I was drawn to it. And I still was like, I'm in this troupe. I need to think of a new perform think of a new solo act. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a new dance or a new song or a new whatever. I took singing lessons. I try, I you know, tried to like put this. I was like, "What's my solo song going to be?" And then I learned to eat fire in like a, a day, and thought, "Oh, I can do that instead. I can do that. I don't have to sing. Hey, please, please, I'm free. Like I don't have to beat my head against a brick wall trying to learn this skill that I have no real desire. To, I mean, I had a desire, but but it was more because I felt the pressure to do it. Yeah. And then the fire thing is what's taken me so, so many different places. It haunts me to this day now that I've moved to LA. It's the thing I get booked for out here in LA. But it's just so interesting that we can spend as creatives a lot of time following the path we think we're supposed to go down. Exactly. Which blinds us, right, from all the other opportunities that we, we could be doing. And sometimes the thing that we hide that we think, oh God, I like, I would be like, I don't want any casting director to know I do burlesque because they'll think I'm not a real actor, you know? Um, but that was a thing that I stood out for. Oh, oh is that that girl who does burlesque? Yeah, let's bring her in. Cause that's, you know, it, it, it triggered a thing in their head and reminded them of a thing. And I, I really, the, a, a lesson I've learned is, is to not hide the thing you think is the thing you should be shameful for, but you should reframe it and think, why is this my, why is this my unique selling point, you know? It's so interesting because I feel like a lot of actors and performers do that. They like do go down the path. I mean, I know I definitely did it at some point when I was a teenager. Like I thought I had to be a dancer and I hated dancing. I absolutely love watching dancing. I could watch dancers all day and I'm so envious that I can't. I just I'm just not a dancer. And I don't want to be one of those people who just like, oh, but you can be it. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not because I'm only shit. I don't want to be that negative Nelly. But I just know that like I can do aerial stuff. I did aerial stuff for a long time and that I can do. Dancing, I'm just terrible. I've tried <laughs> it. I've done it. I've taken, I took lessons for years and years and years and years. 
and it's, it just it just doesn't gel with me but I did I tried to force it for so long yeah and then I was just like you know what it's okay to like not be a triple threat which yeah. is what I feel like you're groomed to be yeah. in the like you know it's following the fun right because I I'm not the best aerialist but I freaking love it and I've had two injuries now I don't know if I told you I had the second injury I think I did tell you I had a second injury but at the second injury my mom's like maybe you should stop doing aerial I'm like, but I just love it and I'm I'm now worse than I was like two or three years ago <laughs> so like I I do shy away from people booking me as an aerialist I'm happy to do aerial as part of something else or be an atmospheric aerialist or whatever else but I still love doing it yeah and I remember as a kid thinking oh, I need to learn to ride a horse I need to do stage combat I need to like learn another language I need to learn to sing I you know all these things that you think should be on your resume mm -hmm. I was terrified of horses I went to these horse riding classes I don't know, <laughs> eight or nine I don't remember how old I was I'm trying to think who was friends with me at the time like that determines what I don't think I was in high school I think I was younger than high school and the, the horses freaked me out but I was all like this will look good on my resume you know like, yeah hire the girl who can kind of ride a horse if they need a horse rider they're gonna hire the person who like is freaking into horses right yeah. horses and, and 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 has fun doing it even if they're not that good you need to still love what you're doing exactly um, yeah that's how I feel about stage combat I yeah. tried I've tried it so many times and I think it's really cool I love again I love watching it I'm just not very good at it and when someone comes toward my face I'm like please don't hit my face yeah. It's like just a I, natural reaction. I look like I should be good at stage. All the roles that I play, <laughs> like I should <laughs> be good at stage combat. And I think it's just I haven't practiced it much. I the, the thing I found difficult with stage combat, which is why I, I think I find difficult in choreography, in choreography, it's um, like dance choreography, it's sort of knowing them down pat without any mistake mm -hmm. and also being in time with other people. I think yes. that's my thing. I think that's why I love burlesque because it's solo. It's going to make it sound super like uh, selfish, but like <laughs> solo performance, if something goes quote unquote wrong, you can sort of fix it during the, the performance because it's just you. It's just solo. You can, you can yeah. make it organic and improvise around it. Whereas with dance choreography, it's so strict and the fight choreography, it's got to be so on point, on point because <laughs> Otherwise, someone can die. Whereas, say improvisation, right? I I'm, I loved improv when you know I can I'm I'm good to work with other people. Like I'm okay, <laughs> you know, because it's fluid and it's in the moment, and you're responding in real time to the other people. And I think that's why. And it's it's sort of really boiling it down to what it is you enjoy about the performance mm -hmm. and the job that you're doing. What do you love about it? Because some people can love. Oh, I want to be an actor because they love say the costume and it's like oh I don't want to be an actor I want to be a costume designer like you find out what it is yeah. about the job that you love and I think what I loved about acting when I first it was that I can be whoever I want to be I don't have to shut myself down and now I can really respond to people in real time as like organic human beings rather than a filtered shut off barricaded version of myself so in improv you're fully flowing with other people um when I'm doing burlesque I'm fully connecting with the audience in real time but yeah dance choreography and fight choreography I think just felt so you have to be on the beat mm -hmm. you know and rigid and and just just admit that it's not your forte <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. and just not to force everything you know because everyone's good at different things and that's perfectly fine um so when was it in this point where you were like I need to move to LA I had so I moved to London uh I think 2000 I graduated 2004 so I, I consider that as part of my time. I was in London for 12 years. And my, again, childhood, want to be an actor, want to go to London, need to go to London. Nothing happens in Newcastle, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I was I was a little bit interested in, in America. I would like watch all like American films and America. But I was intent on going to London because that was like the place to be. And I remember being in London, being all wide-eyed and look at the bridges and look at the places. And oh my God, I'm in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and after 12 years, it was like, I'm in London. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just done. And I had uh, friends come to visit me and they're like, oh my God, it's London. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. can, we go, can we go eat now? Like, we're done. Um, just, just done with it. And I think, um, I remember having a conversation with a casting director out in LA and he's like, what's, what's wrong with London? London, he was super toxic for a number of reasons. But one of the things he said to me was, um, what's, what's wrong with London? And I was just like, I'm, I'm done there. Like, you might think it's wonderful and exciting. That's because you live in LA. But also, but he did say, well, maybe you haven't seen the parts of it that you haven't, you don't know all of London yet. Like you haven't discovered all of it. So mm-hmm. I did think if I don't get my visa and I can't move to LA, I'm going to reset my brain and pretend mm-hmm. that I moved to London this week and start afresh, get out of my normal circles of friends and work and just really sort of make that new beginning. So that was really, that was, although he was toxic, that was, that really helped. I was settled. Like I was okay. I had a a flat that I had bought and owned. I had a boyfriend who was cute and lovely. I was doing burlesque regularly and, and getting paid. I was, I had a, I had had a theater company. I think that just, we just sort of shut that down, but I wasn't, you know, thriving in film and TV. I wasn't like living the dream. I was happy. I was, I was making money out of being a performer. And I then went to, um, I got booked on a show in Germany. It was a, a tour for four months. It was an Edgar Allan Poe play. And it was in my mind living the dream. Cause it was like four of us in the cast. I was the only lady lady I was only girl woman lady um I played like four different roles they were all really meaty and like crying and doing an American accent and a feet and an English accent and and like play like four different roles I also got to um play piano during it which again I I tried piano and sucked but it was like you know um the scene where I had to learn play piano and I loved sort of the opportunity to to do that I I did Ariel because there's a point where this character dies and becomes the moon and they wanted some interpretive dance. And in the audition, Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I've got an idea. My aerial hoop could be the full moon and I could dance in the moon and I'm therefore of the moon. And they're (laughs) like, let's hire this bitch. So so yeah, I, it was just, it was like my eat, pray, love moment of we all went to Germany and we rehearsed and created that I mean I just love theater creation where you can be super creative and throw ideas around and so for I think a month we were in uh, Munich rehearsing and putting this play together and then we went on tour for another two or three months everywhere in Germany and a couple of places in Switzerland and I just was like oh this is what happiness feels like I thought I was happy over there 
but you don't know, you can't see the, what is it? You can't see the label of the bottle if you're in the bottle. I was in the bottle and I didn't know that I was in this bottle of just contentness and not mm-hmm. happiness. And being around supportive people who, when I said something funny and stupid, they laughed. They didn't go, oh, Kat, you're so stupid. Um, oh God, I hate or those people. people. Right. The people who are not the supportive people, obviously. Yeah. I realized that my my place in London, my my the place I was in my life in London, I was being shut down a lot. I was being naysayed a lot. I was not being supported a lot. And I hadn't realized, I thought that I was being supported. I thought it was just friendly, like locker room banter or mm-hmm. whatever. It, and it wasn't, it was, it was putting down and jealousy and, and, and bitchiness. And me and my boyfriend were, were good and okay, but it wasn't like the best. And during that tour, I realized that this is what happiness feels like. And I need more of this. And I went back to London and I went on a super depressed crash. I was just, I I got, I got um, like, I, um, I got this backache and I've, you know, learned that, you know, you can store like Mm -hmm. emotional distress in your body I got this severe back pain I could barely get out of bed I got super super depressed I just um, and my boyfriend has said you I think you've got like some kind of PTSD because he'd he'd been in the military and he's like I think you've like you've come back from tour like like I I would come back from war like you you missed the war kind of things that was like your every single day um and I just I was like I need to I need to shake things up and change things. So I did a whole signing up for everything. Cause I didn't know, I knew that it was like, I'm happy. I'm happy, quote unquote happy. I wasn't happy. I was content. I'm content right now. But if this is my life in five years time, this is not going to make me happy. And I need to start planting the seeds to be happy in five years time. So I signed up for more stage combat. I signed up for musical theater. I signed up for this. I signed up for that. I just was like, I'm going to fling the spaghetti on the walls and see what sticks and one of the things I signed up for was two weeks in LA because I had had the opportunity a number of times not done it in university we were able to do like a uh, like an exchange and I didn't Mm -hmm. do it my friend was going to come out for like a pilot season thing and take me out with her and we we, I didn't do it um I could have I signed up for a program to go to American high school for a year as my, as my gap year and didn't do it. And I'd sort of t- tested the waters and tried it. So I was on a lot of mailing lists regarding going to LA. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd even got a scholarship for something, but I didn't want to take, I just, yeah. Anyway, so I was on this mailing list and this thing popped up two weeks in LA, meet cast and directors, meet agents, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, going to do it. It's, it's time to just see what else is out there. And again, naysayers, naysayers. Oh. I'm like, no, you're not going to get discovered in two weeks. I was like, I'm not going to get discovered, you dumbass. I'm going to do a reconnaissance mission. I'm going with purpose. Rather than yeah. just go to LA and float about for two weeks, I'm going to sign up to this course and be you know, have some direction and meet some other like-minded people and just get a vibe of what's going on. I'm not going to be discovered. The naysayers, honestly. When I told people I was going to LA just for the eight-week course that I did at the beginning, yeah. oh my God. And for like friends, you yeah. think that are really good friends, <laughs> they're just dicks. You're not going to be discovered. Calm down. Why aren't you it's yeah it's really it's so interesting I was say it's funny it's not funny it's interesting the, the the sort of mentality of some people but yes I came out I came out for two weeks and 
I came out for three weeks because the first two weeks were part of the course and you stayed in a hotel with other people. And then I thought I'll stay an extra week and go to like a hostel and just get a more of a realistic idea of what LA is about. Mm-hmm. So I came out for two weeks. I I took all because I'm such a little insular, like um, uh, in, introvert, like need my own space sort of person. Mm-hmm. But I ended up signing up to share my hotel room with someone because I was like, have the full experience like you know yeah and in walked this woman called Lauren Bailey who is now such a huge part of my life she lives in Australia I've literally been in the same room with her maybe less than a month <laughs> <laughs> but she is like she's gone and stayed with me I've gone and stayed with her we've we've done projects together like I just she, she is such a huge like I would call her family like that's how close we, we became just for me going, I'm going to share my room with you. So just that alone was just it, taking risks and, and thinking outside the box and going, hey, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm insular and introverted, but let's just get out of my comfort zone a little bit. So yeah, we did this two weeks. And during that two weeks, I had a lot of positive feedback. And I was in this session where a casting director said to me, oh, you're, you're great. So are you, are you moving out here? And I went, yeah, in September. came from this is January of 2011 January 2011 and I think I just didn't I just didn't want to upset her you know I didn't want to like go oh no no I have no intention of moving out here I was like oh yeah I'm moving out in September and it just I don't know if it was like the universe speaking through my vessel or what it was but yeah (laughs) it's just like oh maybe let's try that on the size like I kind of maybe want to Ooh. So I met a lawyer while I was out there and it seemed possible. And, and then, so that third week, I just thought, right, I'm going to really like pretend that I live here for a bit and go to a local store rather than going eating out. And I'm going to, you know, kind of just see what, what is the non-touristy areas and just have a little play with this idea. And it was just the most super excited and this feels right I'd ever felt ever 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 and so yeah it took me a year and I came out a couple of times just to sort of check that I wasn't crazy and to sort of just see like because I I was getting super upset that I might not get my visa and I thought Kat yeah but you can still go out to LA and be there like in May I went I came out in May and I came out in September again um you can still be there and set some seeds and live a life in, a, in LA for two or three weeks without getting your visa you're still allowed you yeah. can't work but you can still live the life and then it, I, I moved out here um February 2012 so it took me a year to get my visa and everything together and to, and it was de- it was it was stressful because I was in this comfortable life I had you know I broke up with my boyfriend I told my job that I was leaving I um, put my house up for, for rent. I, and my, my grandma, and my aunt were like, Oh my God, what are you going to like, what if you get squat squatters in your apartment? And ooh, what, what about life insurance? What about health insurance out there? And what about, what about, what about? And it's like, what about happiness? Yeah. What about the fact I feel shitty? And I th- think this is going to be the thing that makes me happy. And I moved out here. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. I moved out here the day before the mar- the LA marathon. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, I was staying with this lady in, uh, in Echo Park and I woke up and I heard this like applauding. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, the, the universe is applauding me for taking such big risks. <laughs> I looked out my window and it was the LA Marathon running by. So I always remember like LA Marathon time. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the time I moved out to LA. I have never felt so happy, 
having had an endeavor and it and it paying off because you know yeah. you, you go to university you get your degree the day you get your degree you're like okay or the day you get your <laughs> job interview you're like okay I mean I, I remember getting my driver's license in England going oh, I can drive a car you know that was like yeah but usually when you achieve something you've been trying to get for a long time it's this feeling of like oh okay like I got the thing like yeah this, I'm in I, I got my visa I moved to LA now I'm in LA and this is fucking amazing like rather than oh I mean it wasn't what I thought it would be and I'm just I'm so glad that that wasn't the feeling I had because that would have been really setting it's so interesting because I feel like I had the a very similar experience just like with the visa and just the the pressure because I wanted it so badly and because you just don't know like if your case is going to be approved and so I, I, I still remember the day when I got my phone call from my lawyer just saying it was approved I was working in a bank and I went into that other room and I just started screaming my head off and then you just get back here and I'm just like this is it like this it it feels right and it felt right as soon as I got off the plane the very yeah. first time. And I was, it just, I don't, I feel like things click into place. And I do know a lot of people who have moved to LA and they've got their O1 visas and they didn't stick it out for X amount of time because they were just like, yeah, it's just not my thing. Oh. And I'm like, cool. Okay. It's like, not your thing. But I'm not you know. saying that LA is the answer. I'm saying that knowing what you need in your life. Yes, exactly. And going for it is mm-hmm. the answer because we don't we think we want to do a thing and then and then there is I love that the topic today is naysayers but like, <laughs> <laughs> like the theme so far. but you can get people who who care about you like some people really really do just want to protect you from failure and from discomfort and whatever else it is um and they will warn you against it and they will say it's not possible and because they don't want you to have that that upsetness when it when it all falls through but yeah following what you really really want whether that's to live out in the middle of nowhere and live off the land whether that's to to have a baby whether that's to start a business whatever it is that you you have this inkling of I think this is the thing I want I think this is what's going to make me happy like follow it and Mm -hmm. and test it out because I didn't just go I want to be in LA and move there and done I kept coming out and checking and going yeah because I came out in May, I got double booked in a hostel. I was put in this room. It was almost like a prison. It was like six, there was seven people in a six bedroom room. So two girls were sharing a bunk because they, they were like, oh, well, we know each other, it's fine. Um, I don't think anyone was speaking English. I don't know what, what, what language was being spoken. And there was cockroaches everywhere. Ooh. And I was like, oh. and I was trying to shoot demo reel footage and go to these courses. And it was just like, I was feeling like the worst. And then they were like, we. I was um, having to move hostels and there was going to be a bed open, I think like nine o'clock that night, but I was kicked out at like sort of 11 o'clock that morning. So I put everything in my rental car and I sat in my rental car and I was like, this is everything I own. This is like where I stay. This is where I like, I'm, I'm literally, I have a suitcase of shit in a rental car <laughs> and I'm technically homeless right now. Um, ah! And I was just like, when's the plane to go home? This is, but I just was like, my, that was more fun than a boring ass day in London. Like that yeah. was my, my worst days in LA were for sure much more enjoyable than my like, <laughs> good day in London so even that horrendous experience made me go I still want to move to LA (laughs) my goodness so funny it just I don't know I just feel like me personally LA has just been so much fun obviously it's been super up and down 
Yeah. But I'm just like, that's just everything. That's just that everything. Was, yeah. And also what you make it like, I, I know a lot of people who've gone, oh, I came to LA and it was superficial people and blah, 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 blah. blah. And of course there are, there, there absolutely are. And if you go to certain events and you go to certain places and you connect with certain people, that is going to be your experience. And I've, I've touched on those a couple of times and gone, Ooh, I feel like I'm going into that black hole of this and I need to pull myself back out. Yeah. And, um, and I, I used to have the regret of not coming here earlier. And I thought, no, because if I'd come here at 22, 23, LA would have eaten me alive. I would have not had <laughs> this sort yeah. of ability to go oh 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 this is not where I want to be going and I remember the first week I came here I I had come to LA thinking I'm gonna give up the burlesque performance and give up the circus performance and I'm gonna focus on film tv because that's why I've come here and that's what I really want to do um and the other things are distracting and I didn't realize that the other things were things that brought me joy and you still need it can't just be all work 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 it needs to be things that are joyful mm-hmm. so when I got here I wanted to sort of get community and find my people. So I joined a theater group and I went and watched a bunch of burlesque shows and I signed up for some aerial classes. And part of me was like, why have you come all this way to just set up the same life that you had in London? Because in London, you were watching burlesque shows and in London, you were going to aerial classes. Like what you're supposed to reinvent yourself. And it's not that I went here to reinvent myself. It's that I am me and I love burlesque and I love Ariel and I love circus and I love all that stuff, but I'm me in a different environment. Mm-hmm. And I was able to find my people. So yeah. I had come here and gone, I'm in LA, I'm going to live the dream. I'm going to go to like the sky bar networking events and the whatever, whatever's and, you know, stalk people in red carpet. Then you, you, you're putting yourself in that ro- room of superficial, like yeah. crazy, you know, come suck my dick, I'll give you a role type areas. Yeah. Um, but because I then went to places that I had a, a definite ingrained interest. I could connect with other burlesque performers. I could connect with other aerialists. Um, I could connect with, with theater creators and, and have that as my wonderful support system so that I then could go as a more healthy person with a support system into those rooms that were a little bit more, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I want to say dangerous, but like iffy. Um, because I didn't need those people as like, oh, tell me about the world, tell me about my friends. Because I was already, I've got my friends, I've got my support system. Yeah. Go to these places and whatever crazy shit happens, I can go back to my support system and go, oh, guess what happened to me last night? Um, <laughs> so yeah, go go looking for your people because you'll you'll find them. It's LA. There's a lot of different stuff There's going on. So <laughs> much stuff going on. You know, you'll you'll you what, and it's it's that sort of thing about what you think is there is what you'll find. Yeah. So yeah. since you've been in LA, you've done, you've, I mean, you've done a lot, but your burlesque, like I've obviously follow you on all the grams, <laughs> all the twits. Um, but Vixen Deville is just huge. It's to me, I think it's absolutely like incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember coming here that two weeks and I met what my agent in London said, Oh, come and go and see this manager in LA. And she looked at my resume and she went, there's a million of you. And she went, what's this on the bottom? What's this Vixen Deville thing? And I explained what it was. She went, that I can sell. That I can sell. And I was like, oh. because like I said, in London, I'd been like, oh, I can't tell anyone in the acting world that I do burlesque. Yeah. Uh, must, must, be, must be hiding it. But it was interesting that in that one meeting, she's like, oh, this Vixen Deville thing, I can sell that. Absolutely. So what happened was I came to LA. 
realized that I missed burlesque like crazy. It mm-hmm. was absolutely what make my heart sing. It, it's, it's, it's part of my therapy. It's my social life. Like it's so many things. And why would I get rid of something that I love, love, love just for other people going, oh, you're distracting yourself from your job or from, you know, your career. Um, and I believe that that's what made it blow up so much was that it was my funsies time and not my, oh, it's my career. I must really focus mm-hmm. on it. And I just loved it so much that I would go into castings for burlesque and just be like, I know they want what I got. I know. Cause I'm, I'm super good at my glass walking and I, my costumes are amazing. And, and I had, I had all this confidence of like, of course, why wouldn't they hire me? And I thought, oh my God, that's what I need in my acting auditions. Like if you could be that confident in, in who you are as an actor and what you bring to the table so that whenever you go into an audition, you can be like, I know they want what I got. Absolutely. Of course, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they give me this role? It's a, it's a no brainer. Um, I've had like maybe three auditions like that where I've read the script, seen what's going on and gone, oh, it, it's a no brainer. Of course they're going to hire me. Yeah. Um, and then if they don't, well, pff, yeah. And I don't, or I didn't, I, I go into auditions going, I hope I'm what they want. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to get you anywhere. So yeah, um, I just had so much fun with the Vixen stuff. And the first company I auditioned for was Dolphus Dames, who I still work for now. Um, she wrote me a recommendation letter for when I got my green card. And, you oh, know, and it was just every single show that I did led, led to something else because you've got all the people in the audience. You have no idea what jobs and things they're doing. You have all the people working backstage. You have all the people in the show. So every time I did something, someone would come up to me and go, oh, hey, um, I've got this private party. Can you do this? Or, hey, I'm producing a show. Can you host me for this? And it just, it just got like, I believe that the reason Vixen was more successful over here, not only because I was treating it as a fun hobby, let's see what happens, mm-hmm. rather than worrying about it, but also when I hosted in England, I was creating a character. I was heightening my voice and saying, oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Blah, 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 blah. I remember somebody saying to me, I said, oh, how, what do you think about my hosting? And they went, I think you're really good, but I think you need to bring more cat to the, cat to the table, like be a bit more real. I was like, how dare you? Vixen Deville is my character. What do you mean bring more cats to the table? But then when I came to LA, when I hosted, I didn't have to do this heightened voice because I'm already British. So I already have it. And my Vixen now is a lot more like, all right, guys, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, welcome, welcome. And there's there's some moments of ha, ha, ha. But anyway, and, and I'm a lot more um self-deprecating and showing the I think the comedy of Vixen is that she she has a super high opinion of herself but it's like I will, I'll call out like oh my armpit smells a bit I forgot my deodorant or oh, what like I <laughs> heightened character, super dressed up and like tall and striding around but I show my my supposed flaws and I think that's where the sort of comedy from that character comes from but it was that I was allowing myself to be me on stage and Vixen has been so popular, I believe, because that is, you see me on stage as Vixen, I'm the most unfiltered, truest version of me that I'm ever in any, in any role, in any mm-hmm. performance. And that's what, you know, when you see a great actor on stage, just fucking mopping up the floor with the other yeah. actors, it's cause they're just, they're just flowing. They're just being the absolute ultimate version of themselves. And if I can capture that, in a role in TV film, and it's, I think it has happened like two or three times, 
it's just that flying feeling you get when you just nail it, you just nail it. And you're like, yeah, this is, so that's my, my, my goals always with a, with any script is to feel the way I do when I'm Vixen on stage. <laughs> that's amazing. And it was also really good advice. Like that's like a really good thing just to take away from that as well. Is just be super, just like knowing when you'd go into a burlesque audition, you'd be like, why would they not want me? And then when you're taking it into an acting audition, you're like a wet drip, like just being like, oh, I'm a puddle on the floor. So that I feel like that's just such a great lesson to take with you, because it's just like if you're right for the role, you're right for the role. But if you go in with some confidence and just some knowing it, it it oozes out of you. You know, if I go into an audition, if I go into a burlesque audition and at the time when I first got here, I wasn't going down to pasties. And that is like you know, people think that's the thing in burlesque and then you go down to pasties, but I wasn't because mm-hmm. I have all my self-doubt and everything else. But what I did do was all this other, like, well, I'm taking my clothes off to eat fire. I'm taking my stockings off to walk on broken glass. So although it didn't say variety performers, the audition would say burlesque performers and I would bring, well, here's my glass walking burlesque act. Here's my fire burlesque mm-hmm. act. And I'm bringing me, um, you haven't asked for this, but I'm bringing it because this is my version of burlesque. And they'd be like, well, shit, we didn't know we wanted this. Let's put it in the show. And the same with performance. Like you see, you know, um, I was thinking about the Lost Auditions where the guy who plays Hurdy comes in to audition for the um, the con artist role, which is what Josh Holloway got. And they look at each other in the, in the corridor like, are we really auditioning the same role? What is happening? Because they didn't know <laughs> the character of, um, oh my gosh, uh, Sawyer. They didn't know, they knew he was a con man, but they didn't know if he was suave like James Bond or a little bit greasy or like yeah. neck or they didn't know that he was a con man. So when it's open like that, come in and be your version of the con man, come yeah. and be your version of you, you know, bring your glass walking act to the burlesque audition. And they were like, this guy who played Hurtley, he's like, he's not Sawyer, but let's write him into the show. Cause he's just so freaking amazing. And that's like the dream, isn't it? To go and audition and be like, here's me. And I'm maybe not right for the role, but now you're going to write an entire show about me because I just, you just can't look away. I mean, look at, amazing. look at Mork and Morgan Mindy, right? Wasn't he a mm-hmm. bit caught in Happy Days? And they're just like, this guy, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been doing your burlesque and then you start your one woman show, which mm-hmm. when I watched, like that just inspired me so much. And it was, well, obviously we spoke about this previously, but because I've wanted to do a one woman show for so freaking long, but I've had people be like, oh, you should do stand-up. You should do this. You should do that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't, I'm, I'm terrified of stand I've tried it. I want to throw up. But, <laughs> and it's, it's like, so when I saw your one woman show and that won an award at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Is that correct? It, yeah, it won a bunch of awards. It won, um, I always feel bad when I correct people. It won a bunch of awards, actually. No, big it all up. <laughs> Big it up, babes. <laughs> tell, tell us all the awards it won. Um, let me correct you. Um, Get the list out. Um, it only won like two. It, yeah, it won two at the Hollywood Fringe, and then I took it on tour in 2019, and I got, I think, I got three more awards like on tour, which I was just so happy with because it was, it was such a. It, it was like four years in the making essentially because mm-hmm. I was similar I was like I want to do a solo show because I know I can like yeah I host shows I have so many different acts I am a performer 
performer. I used to produce theater in London. Like I know I can do this. But again, stand-up comedy scares me, which I think would surprise a lot of people because I do comedy when I'm performing. But to me, it's a little bit more, like I said, the improvised uh, yeah. world, you know? Um, and I think when I do a solo show, I'm not promoting it as comedy so people don't expect me to be funny. And when I'm uh, just riffing, it's like, yeah, there's some riffs I do that have been... Um, it reminds me of like Commander Delarte Lassie where they have these pre-rehearsed little things they throw into the improvise, the improv so that it's a, it's a tight section even though it's been rehearsed, it still feels loose. And I think I feel more comfortable having these like pre-rehearsed like three or four lines that I throw into, I'm just riffing on stage because then people think, oh my God, she's just naturally funny. And it's not like, oh, she's a comedian and she's not funny. Like the expectations are, are less. I don't, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I took it to, I, I had been wanting to put this solo show together for a while. Oh, I would think about doing a solo show and think, I don't want to just do a variety show because people would see a burlesque show I did and say, well, why don't you just do a, a, a solo Vixen show? Because what's the point? You come for a variety, right? I thought I want to put a show together that has some substance, that is, has a message or has a, you know, a thought that you leave, leave the, the, the theater with. And my, my, my theater in London was always not here as the message, just here's something to think about. I like it better when you go, here's something to think about. Mm -hmm. um, I had thought about, because I did um, Fire and Ariel, right early on in Vixen's life in London, I had thought, oh, I had written a backstory for her because when I first started, I was like, this is a character. I'm going to write her a backstory, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is what you see at the beginning of the show. It's like, yeah. she's 111 to 12 years old. She owns the universe. She has all these superpowers. She comes to slum it on earth. Um, and I was like, okay, it's earth, air, fire, water. And the show would be Vixen Deville descends and she's come from another planet to descend upon the earth. And the show is her showing off her superpowers, but it's almost like a true science show mm -hmm. in that, yeah, like, you, you know, those science experiments that are just fun because it, it, it looks magical, but it actually yeah. just is. And I would get other people in, like other performers to sort of show that magic. And the idea is that when you're in the room with Vixen, anything is possible. And I always had this kind of interactive audience experience. Like you came to the show and this magical thing happened to you and you left thinking, wow, anything is possible. And then, and then I dropped it. I was like, oh, eh, I don't know. And I'd keep going home for Christmas uh, to London and chat with my old sort of producery, directory, theater creation friends and get super excited about this new idea. And then come back to uh, LA and be like, I don't wanna, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then I went out to London, um, uh, must've been the Christmas before 2018 and one of my uh, friends who I'd performed burlesque with had this show and it was just, so, I'd seen so much bad burlesque. <laughs> and this show was everything burlesque needed to be. Oh yeah. my God. And it was funny and witty and beautiful and sexy and cheeky and, but it had a message and you just, and you left just feeling like, oh, like I'm gonna go kill the world. And it was just like, oh, why am I not doing this? Like we came up the ranks together, you know, and I need to just get shit or get off the pot. Um, and I went home and 
I lay awake, I couldn't go to sleep. And I wrote the show in my head in like half an hour, having tail, uh, you know, uh, worked at it for, for four years and going, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't. And I think it needed that time because yeah. I needed to have the life lessons. I needed to have the experiences. I needed to have created, have created some of the acts. And the solo show focuses very much on the injury that I had and the recovery I had, which hadn't happened until 2016. So if I had done the show before 2016, it would have lost a lot of content, you know? Yeah. So I know a lot of my students beat themselves around the head because, oh, I haven't got my act together and it's taking too long. And, but sometimes your creation needs to take a little bit longer. Like you need to, like when you're baking, you don't go, oh, I'm going to put this cake in the oven and rip it out in two minutes because I need it to be done now. You need to let it marinate. You need to let it cook. You need to let it simmer. You need to let your dishes um you know <laughs> procreate germinate whatever <laughs> I don't know I'm all my analogies because my brain's going off into wonderful world but it needs time you can't just go oh here's a show boomsies and I think that's why I was so happy that it did win the awards was because it had been a lot of creation it had a lot had gone into it it wasn't just a oh I've got this idea let's just do it <laughs> see that again what I was saying about the whole point of the show and being inspired see you've just fed me another inspirational nugget inspirational oh, <laughs> nugget number two <laughs> well because you do put so much pressure on yourself about like I literally wanted to do a one-woman show I think I started, I started writing one when I was 16 and I go back and I've, I've seen all my notes and I'm like oh you're so cute yeah 16 year old <laughs> self you know and I remember writing this stuff and so when I read it I'm like oh best but it is also about it does take time it is about life experiences because now the show that I've again like you said I've written it's all in my head I just need to write like I've written half of it out but it just needs to be all out there on paper and I just toyed with so many ideas of like what to put in what not to put in how to like am I just going to edit all of this stuff out which is a huge fucking part Mm. of this and I'm just like well if I edit that whole chunk out then yeah so I just it's it's all that toying back and forth should you shouldn't knew and then I'm just like you know what just do it and just see what happens and it does take time and I was aiming to do the fringe festival this year actually I was aiming to do it last year then this year um obviously baby um baby and that's gonna inform the show even more right because well originally because it was meant to be in July I was like oh I could perform it in July and be like bump um but now it's going to be like right on my due date so I'm just like "Mm, maybe I'll just wait for next year which is at the beginning I was just like oh that's really sad but I'm like you know what time it's going to happen when it happens yeah and it's it's all good and I think that whole taking your time with it because your show like when I watched it it was just it's just everything that I want my show to be and more and I was just like oh like obviously I'm not gonna be doing aerial and glass stuff but it gave me that inspiration of it can have these different parts and it doesn't have to be like X, Y, and Z. It can be like all this magical stuff as well. Does that make sense? When I, when I did Fringe, their main thing, because it's so quick, because you have to do your get in and get out and mm-hmm. you know, there's a show coming in right after you and da, 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 da. Um, they were like, keep it simple. Keep your costume changes simple. Keep your props simple. You don't need much set design. Like you can just do it wearing black with a with a one stage box and a, and a one spotlight. But I was like, that's not the show I want to do. 
And I know I can do it because most of the acts that I did in the show are, had already been created. I already had all the props and I, I had already done all the quick changes as part of my burlesque stuff. Like if I had written that show from scratch and came up with all those acts separately, like it would have been overwhelming. Yeah. But because I knew that I've taken all these props to a random bar and set them up 10 minutes before the show and then gone straight into doing the show. Because I remember when I got into burlesque, I was like, well, where's the rehearsal? Because I'm a theater person. We have to rehearse for four weeks before we go on stage. And in burlesque, I'm like, nah, you just rehearse at home and you come and you set up and whatever the space you're in is the space that you're in and you just deal with it. So that was actually kind of good training for, for fringes. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I go to a bar and it's like, well, where's the stairway? Oh, well, oh shit, the, the beam is four inches lower than I thought it was. I guess I'll just change my aerial act I'm more on the floor than in the air and I I really had to stick by my guns like that I knew I was doing what I was doing yeah and oh this is something else I've I learned super like moving to LA was to ask for help because when I was younger I wanted to prove myself I didn't need help I'm amazing I need to need to like let you know how amazing I am I can do it all myself and I learned to be humble when I moved to LA and just be like hey I don't know everything I don't know what these coins mean. I don't know how to put gas in my car. I need help. And people are so much more likely to help somebody who admits they need help than mm-hmm. someone who's, no, no, I don't need help. And so I was like, okay, I'm doing a solo show. But as a producer, I know I can't produce this thing if I'm on stage. Yeah. I need, in order to unpack all my stuff, I need people to help me with my load in. I need people to help me with my get out. I need someone on the front of the door selling merch so I can actually make some money out of this thing. I need someone to help pack up. Like I knew I needed a team mm-hmm. and right at the beginning. And I, I knew that I needed to like make sure I could do my jobs as solo creator. Um, because I, I could, I didn't want to hire a director. I didn't want to hire a producer because it's just like, eh, I, I know I can do these things just at different times in my life. So I was like, right, if I start doing all the producing and marketing right now, Mm-hmm. And it's been done now I can focus on writing the show because like I hadn't finished writing it but I was like I can just I can come up with the poster and the name and I can get it listed everywhere and I can write a description of the show like it, you know I, I got I did all the marketing producing stuff first so that that was done okay now I can focus on the show and I contacted a bunch of people and said I need your help and I was very specific about what I needed I made a little spreadsheet of like this is the job I needed to do and this is the time you, this is the time commitment I need for it and if you can do this bit and this bit, Tuesday at six and Wednesday at eight, great. That's what I want you to do. And I just had a bunch of people sort of say, yeah, I, I sign up to help you on these days doing this job. And I wrote out all these instructional sheets, like turn up at this time, pick up this from the thing, stand at the front of the door and sell this thing. Or if you're helping move set, like the box of glass goes stage left next to the feather fan. So I had it all like written out. And that's why that show was possible because it wasn't a solo show. It was a solo show and like six helpers, yeah. <laughs> you know, helping me do it. So I think any, again, life lesson number 28 um, is ask for help and absolutely seek, seek guidance in the right areas. Like moving to LA, I started, rather than talking to the naysayers, I talked to the people who'd done it already mm-hmm. or were thinking about doing it and asked for their help. Yeah. Um, so any a new endeavor you're doing, any new creative thing, if you need new skill for your creative thing that you're doing, absolutely ask for help because everybody who's made it has been helped in some way and we all want to pass it on. Yeah, it's so true. We do. I know I do. Oh, well, thank you, Kat, oh. my darling. That was, oh, 
You're just a gem, aren't you? You're just a gem. Such a gem. <laughs> well, thank you for coming onto the show. Appreciate you. And once again, thank you, Kat, so much for coming onto the show. Like I said before, I get very inspired just by watching all your stuff, listening to your stories. So thank you. I hope that inspires other people who are thinking about moving to Los Angeles or even putting on a solo show because Kat does everything. She's incredible. Again, you can follow Kat on Instagram at KatLacoe or on Twitter at KatLacoe, Instagram Vixen Deville and Twitter Vixen Deville underscore. All right. Have a good week, everybody.